I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... We do not have a singular event that brings together um, our local tech uh, industries, startup community, our local venture community, and then attracting outside capital to come and be part of the DC community to, to hear what's going on here. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh, along with producer Tracy Madigan. Today, we welcome back a real favorite. It's Doug Anderson. Doug is the CEO of DCA Live. If you haven't heard of them, shame on you, DMV resident. They are, in my opinion, one of the premier connectivity platforms, networking platforms around. And what Doug has done, we, he and his colleagues have, I think, siloed uh, by the C-suite people in certain job titles in certain arenas. So if you're the CFO of a not-for-profit, Doug can celebrate you and your colleagues' roles. He'll celebrate the top 10 and they have voting and all that great stuff. And and uh, the, the top 10 are given plaques and all of the things that matter to the various silos of leadership in both the NGO arena, the government arena, and the private sector arena. And here in the DMV, in my personal opinion, we do not celebrate excellence in those various arenas. So Doug is leading the charge on that. And DCA Live is the platform that's doing it. Here's our conversation. Doug, great to have you with us again today. Thanks for having me back, Mark. From that intro, I, I, I think I, I poured enough syrup over the stack of pancakes that we could talk about all sorts of stuff that DCA Live does. but. It seems that uh, one of the things that you've been, you and your colleagues have made a lot of progress in is segmenting the business community of the Washington arena, the DMV. I'll just, I'll call it that, that the DMV into silos in a good way in, into silos. So separating the C-suite, so CMO and CFO and CIO and both for-profit and not-for-profit, that seems to have been a very conscious decision by you and the team. When did that sort of occur to you and how has it played out? Uh, DC Alive has been doing events. We're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary in, in 2024, uh, by Muscle the way. Tough. Yep. So we, we've, we've learned a lot about how to create um, effective and engaging programs for business leaders. And uh, the best way to do that is to create uh, opportunities for them to, um, to connect and network with their most relevant peer groups. And so we view those peer groups in two different ways. One is by, by industry. And here in Washington, we have very distinct industries. We have government contracting, we have associations, nonprofits, real estate, um, and then sort of what I would call high growth tech, which includes some sub industries like cyber and fintech and some others. So that's that's one way where, where um, uh, executives and, and leaders within those industries um, we, we, we create opportunities for them to connect with each other and then by, by function. So you might be the founder or the CEO, uh, you might be the, uh, the CFO or the, the head of the, the, the finance or the organization, um, marketing, um, sales revenue and, um, in tech. And so we slice and dice this market so that there's always a relevant peer group for you, uh, no matter your industry or your function. Yeah. Well, I think the, the beauty of that, and I've, I, you know, uh, nota bene, as they say in Latin to the listeners, I have been to a number of DCA events and personally am a supporter of, of the entity. But what I love is the networking gets so robust so quick, um, as opposed to some of the, the older arenas back in the day that were more you know horizontal. 
to sort of, hey, if you're in tech, come back, you know, come by and, and, and grab a drink, where you end up sort of wandering the room, hoping to find somebody who, who thinks about the same thing you do. As you organize these by um, not-for-profit, for-profit, by the C-suite uh, title and stuff like that, you walk into a room and you automatically have something to talk about. I, I'm sure that's very uh, gratifying to you and your team when you see that happen. Well, that's that's our goal, right? Is to to surround you by people who are very relevant to your um, your professional life, um, and that may include leaders of companies, or it may include the service providers and you know and professional services that are um, are supporting those those industries. So, if you're a a law firm uh, in Washington and you have a local focus, you probably have um, a GovCon group and a uh, a nonprofit group and maybe a real estate group. So we're able to create opportunities um, for those folks to engage with potential uh, clients as well. So one of the things that's always been interesting to me to observe is the idea of sponsorships. Now, there, there's a you know a gazillion participants in the donut of, quote, and to the listener, I'm doing air quotes between Doug and me, the sort of service providers around players in the region. So it's the CPAs, it's the lawyers, it's the M&A attorneys and stuff like that. What's been, or I should say, how has your policy on sponsorships migrated over over the 10 years? And what are some of the pitfalls that you have seen in sponsorships? And what are the, some of the ways that you've seen it work out well? Right. Well, it's always a delicate balance. Um, you're trying to create a sustainable business model, um, but you're also trying to create a place where uh, people, business leaders, CEOs, CFOs, et cetera, want to come. So you have to really set um, the tone um, in a way that makes everybody feel as if they have something to contribute to the conversation, but nobody is being sold to. And the example I give to um, to folks often is that if you're a CEO of a company and your lease is coming up in three years of your office, you're going to get uh, endless cold calls from real estate brokers who want to who want to move you and collect a commission on that on that transaction to the point where you won't even pick up the phone um, because of the um, the cold calling. Um, so in, in that environment, somebody does not really want to talk to uh, a real estate uh, advisor. However, um, there there probably is information that the real estate community does have that would be germane to that that CEO. And so at a DCA live dinner, uh, a real estate person might be able to talk about the, just the general market and which areas of, of, of the city are uh, attracting, you know, a lot of activity and what the current pricing and lease terms might be. And that's actually very helpful information. So our goal is to try to create a setting where everybody can learn from each other, but no one's feeling particularly sold to. It's more of relationship building. And um, and and hopefully in that conversation, maybe there something sparks um, some interest, and there's some some subsequent follow up, and that there's value that we're creating that way. But it's never a sales pitch. It's never a seminar. It's never a PowerPoint slide on why you should come with our accounting firm or our law firm or whatever. It's always just in the context of natural conversation and information sharing. That's the voice of Doug Anderson. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh, with producer Tracy Maddock. And Doug is the CEO of DCA Live. We're talking about the organization, its history, uh, its goals, and soon to be 10th anniversary coming up next year. Again, congratulations. So you touched on a market I'd love to drill down a bit on, which is commercial real estate. Gosh knows, significant personal 
um, and corporate wealth has been generated by successful entities in commercial real estate in the Washington, D.C. market, the DMV, for all sorts of great reasons. But since COVID, I mean, it's been crazy. What What are some themes you're seeing in commercial real estate? You know, not just the WeWorks of the world balkanizing and splitting up the commitment to companies to, you know, to being a tenant with a, a bunch of space, but pricing and even the flex work that we're seeing, any themes there? Well, it's it's obviously a very challenged um, market right now for office uh, landlords um, and getting tenants to renew or or to move. Um, just very low levels um, of activity. Um, pricing um, is down, um, and there's some obviously some buildings that are in a lot of trouble. Some have already been given back to the bank. Part part of that is because COVID, and part of that is because of the new capital markets environment that makes it very difficult to refinance some of those properties. But a couple of things do do stand out that are interesting. One is it's it's really um, depend it's it's neighborhood by neighborhood dependent. Um, there are some areas that are doing quite well. Uh, the most cited example is Reston Town Center, which is a Boston Properties uh, development that you're probably familiar with that um, just re has really done quite well through all of this. The Navy Yard um, and the um, the wharf, that that part of town where you have a lot of sort of exciting new you know restaurants and, and retail. And there's also a lot of residential in those areas that attracts the the younger workforce, um, those areas have done well. So you've seen some big examples of law firms and, and big associations who have moved from K Street down to those those markets. Um, people in um, the real estate world would use its uh, an expression called flight to quality, which is that now um, with given given the pricing and, 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 and so many options for, for tenants, they're going to the best buildings in the best neighborhoods. And so what that's leaving is places like the West End of downtown or even K Street um, area uh, to, to, they've really suffered. Um, and there's a lot of uh, troubled properties uh, in those neighborhoods and some will be converted to residential and some will, who knows, it's, it's gonna be an interesting process to see play out, but it's, it's not great. <clears throat> well, one of the, one of the uh chunks of tenants that's always amazed me about the the DMV is, is trade associations. You know, you said associations earlier, but I almost separate a different chunk into trade associations, i.e., you know, the American Home Builders Association. And I, I think I heard some eye-popping statistic recently that there are like 1,200 of them within 50 miles of our conversation here in, in, in the Washington area. Um, it's also a different market, I would argue, for hiring and promoting and the economics and what they represent to their members as far as lobbying or industry standards and stuff like that. Is that a significant portion of your membership and, and your attendees, or is that a tougher nut to crack to understand their dynamics? Yeah, great, great question. Um, it, it is a big part of our business at DCA Live. We do a handful of big events every year for the trade association community. We do Many more smaller roundtables for CEOs, CFOs, uh, et cetera. So we're, we're very actively engaged with that community. Um, there's an awful lot of professional services that support that community as well. So, you know, accounting firms, law firms, real estate firms, insurance brokers have special practices for trade associations and sort of the, sort of the legal quirks that many of them have. Um, so we're very active in it. I will tell you, though, 
that trade association people are not the most natural networkers on the planet. Interesting. Uh, if you throw, you throw a real estate happy hour, you're going to get overwhelmed with attendees. Uh, tech and VC, That's those are very active networking communities as well. Association folks are kind of nine to five, punch the clock and they're out of here. So it's tougher. It's tougher to get them to come to things uh, for sure. And then you add it on to the fact that many of them have gone much more aggressively to remote office formats than than other industries, um, and are still really not requiring people to come in much of it, if at all, you know, a day or two um, a week. So it's tougher to get uh, those people engaged, but uh, we do our best to do it. Yeah. Well, it strikes me that there there's not a. I guess there is some cross pollination between trade association. A and trade association B, you don't have to know how to build a house to work for the American Home Builders Association. So there is some cross-pollination there. But as we go to break with our guest, Doug Anderson, I want to make sure our listeners know that when we come back, a couple of things I want to talk about. One is your uh, initiative next next year, Capital Capital, which looks like a big play. But the other is, um, you just touched on it, which is the migration of people. I mean, God knows we have a huge employer called the U.S. government in the Hill, and how you see people moving from the Hill to the private sector, from the private sector to an NGO, from the NGO to the Hill, and the other points in between. Because I would argue DC is one of the maybe kind of more motion-oriented marketplaces in, in, in the US. But our guest is Doug Anderson. He's the CEO of DCA Live. It's what's working in Washington. All those great topics with Doug and more after this. out a huge thank you to our listeners who put us in touch with some of the best voices in Washington, D.C. and the region. We've been hearing from you through Twitter, LinkedIn, and other direct messaging. On What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how businesses in the region are keeping us competitive. We talk to the brains in the nonprofit world, restaurant domain, and next-gen tech. We love meeting smart people. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. Tracy Madigan, our producer, and I think that it's all about shining a spotlight on people who are really getting things done in the region. So please keep those ideas coming. And thanks to all of those who stay in touch with us. Again, we're joined by Doug Anderson, a friend of the show and a great friend of DC business, the DMB business, in my personal opinion. He's the CEO of DCA Live. If you haven't heard of him, shame on you. They are about as inveterate and committed a networking platform for the various arenas in the in the DMV, both for-profit, not-for-profit, government, GovCon, technology, venture capital. Uh, they, 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 they know whereof they speak in those arenas and you should be part of the DCA world. But we had a couple of things to make sure we return to before we went to break here in the show. One is, uh, we're gonna get to your to your initiative in your 10th anniversary next year, Capital Capital, which I like, only one letter difference. But I had teased a conversation about, um, I guess, migration or motion amongst the various pillars of the DMV. Uh, in my opinion, there are many of them, but the three major ones are government, NGO, and private industry, all kind of meta, I realize. But 
I see a lot. Well, I see some um, some movement between the three. Is it DCA's experience that you see less than I do? Do you maybe wish there was more? Do you think the pathways of movement have been truncated or strangled to an extent extent by by uh, COVID? Uh, or or am I off base on those kinds of observations? Uh, no, I, I think the Washington job market, particularly for um, young professionals, those entering the workforce, um, is incredibly fluid. And almost any, you know, national ranking you see of best places for young people to find jobs, DC's among the top two, two or three. And I don't think that's that's changed it at all. Um, and I think it's evidenced by the fact that, you know, you have this this new trend in, in, in career management where people are only staying a year or two in, in jobs and they always seem to find new opportunities. Right. You're you come in here after college, you get a job for a year or two and then there's going to be an opportunity waiting for you. And um, just countless times I've I've seen that in my interactions with uh, with with people in this world. Um, so I think that your observation, Mark, is is right on and, and truer than ever. Yeah. I also, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, people say they get locked into careers and in their 40s and 50s, they, they wish they had some flexibility, but I, I still think there's, I think compared to other cities, DC has a lot of that as well, especially, you know, the old quote, revolving door, unquote, from the federal government or even state government in Maryland and Virginia and, and the District of Columbia, uh, the revolving door of people that, you know, had some levers of power working in those governments and then go into for-profit entities, be it lobbying, law firms, accounting firms, consulting firms that, you know, that interact with them. I think the revolving door, that term has gotten an awfully bad rep, but I think there's uh, some vitality to it. And and I, I kind of like lobbyists sometimes use as a, as a dirty word for people outside of the, of the beltway. But I, I think the nation actually needs that. Have you seen uh, vitality in this quote revolving door, or do you think it has been hurt by some of the reputational elements of it? No, I'm 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 pro revolving door. Um, as are you. I think people can learn a lot uh, in in government service, and they can learn a lot in the private sector. And that um, that knowledge um, is transferable between the two in a way that creates value for all of us. Of course, does it create conflicts of interest and compromise people from time to time? Sure, this is not an area of my my expertise, um, but I think it's it's a, a net a, a good thing um, for for us and our local our local job market and economy. Yeah, well, I think there's conflicts of interest everywhere. We were in Silicon Valley; there be conflicts of interest because uh, talk about job hoppers. But also, I want to chat about the media market here. Um, you know, DC has major television stations owned by major media properties. They have. Um, significant portion of uh, radio strength here. In fact, for our listeners, the WTOP, the news radio station here, is the largest revenue generating radio station in America, which always amazes people. But what's your sense of the media marketplace writ large for the types of things you and your colleagues at DCA Live do? Do you get the kind of coverage you wish? Do you do you think people are, are, are get the kind of awareness from media coverage of their industry or places they might want to move into in their career or, or issues in their industry? Uh, and is traditional media kind of slowly lessening in its impact and digital media kind of taking over all of those, all of those platforms? Yeah. Uh, there were a number of questions. Uh, in I was going to say, yeah, I stacked them up big boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, 
Uh, well, one thing that's been a, a frustration of of mine is our our local um, uh, economy gets very little attention from the big the big players in town. Um, the Washington Post almost completely ignores uh, DC business. That wasn't always the case. They used to do a better job, but now they almost completely ignore it. Uh, there's this thing called the Washington Business Journal um, that does a decent job, but it's very kind of real estate oriented. Um, a little bit of tech not a lot um so that's left to a lot of niche um niche media players out there none of which have you know particularly large audiences but all all serve a, a function the potomac tech wire uh, does a nice job summarizing things that are happening in in tech uh there's association trends and the, the sort of the whole columbia books uh association media um platform that serves that very small market but does a, a great job doing it um, in federal contracting, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole bunch of media products uh, that that serve that that industry and, and do a, a decent job. Um, so, you know, it's it's splintered, it's fragmented, it's small. I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, has tough, tough, tough business model to make work. But, you know, um, it, it gets done. It's just it's too bad that we don't get more attention from, um, you know, the post uh, or some of the you know, the, the larger uh local tv stations um it's, it's almost not even something that they even think about i i agree it just it just seems it doesn't hit the radar maybe well so here's an unfair question you know the old joke uh, where does the local barber go to get his or her haircut what are what are other meetings or gatherings or places that you and your colleagues have found value in that are non-competitive but you think you know think have been have been helpful to you and your and your efforts are there any or are you're you're it <laughs> well uh there are other places that i respect i have um i do almost 100 events a year whoa and, hello and, and so um in a so like right now we're in the middle of october i'm doing two to three events a week so yeah. when i have a, a free night and i also have four children i'm not going to other people's events got it understood um, that, that that said, um, I had a hand in building uh, BizNow Media, which yep. is um, now a national uh, real estate uh, media brand, but does the local market serves the local market here still very well, and very proud of um, of that that business. Um, the NVTC uh, does a nice job, um, and um, I want to give them a shout out. And and, uh, and then my buddy and your buddy Tian Wong. Um, yeah does a very very robust um event series in the tech space that's more it's different than mine we're we're, we're friendly competitors but but more friends and competitors um but he, he he does a lot of the the the, the new startup uh pitch right uh, kinds of events where he's trying to connect um companies to capital which is not yeah. something that yeah. i've spent a long time doing yeah no like i yeah he's really introducing in specific entities into the arena. Well, we, we have a few minutes left, uh, but I want to make sure all of our listeners, and we're talking with Doug Anderson, CEO of DCA Live here on What's Working in Washington. I'm Mark Walsh, your host, along with Tracy Maddock and the producer. What is capital capital? What When will it happen and how how will it uh, be a celebration of your 10 years? Capital Capital is an event we're launching uh, in 2024. It's set for June 24th and 25th um, of next year. Um and here's here's why we're doing it, Mark. Um, there's a big event every year called Venture Atlanta, and it attracts 1,500 people to Atlanta to talk about tech in Atlanta, venture capital in Atlanta, 
um, the ecosystem in Atlanta. Philadelphia has one too called Impact. Yep. Um, Philadelphia and Atlanta are not particularly big tech markets. Um, they just there was just some rankings that came out of innovation hubs and DC ranked fifth nationally and twelfth globally. Yet we do not have an event like the one I just described. We do not have a singular event that brings together um, our local tech uh, industries and the um, the startup community, our local venture community, and then attracting outside capital to come and be part of um, the DC community to, to hear what's going on here. Because we have some very, very um, robust local tech industries. Many of them were birthed because of relationships with the federal government or national right. security like our cyber community here, our health tech uh, community, but also we have, we're really the, the the leader in education technology ed tech. We have a huge property tech uh, community here, uh, FinTech, and there are others. We don't do consumer stuff very well, right? But we do lots and lots of B2G and B2B uh, tech businesses here. And I don't think that most people uh, nationally know that. Um, I think they still think of DC as a bunch of lawyers and lobbyists and the kinds of people that you were referring to a minute ago with yeah. the revolving door. Um, none of that's true. And so uh, there's been other attempts at this over the years. And um, I'm spending you know, most of my time between now and uh, next June to figure out why those didn't work and, and what we can do to really showcase DC tech and really attract people from all over the place to come in here for a couple of days to meet our companies, meet our founders, and also to give our local uh, uh, venture community, you know, a boost too, and to, to kind of connect them more um, nationally and to kind of, you know, even maybe remind them that there's a lot of great companies here that they should be uh, deploying capital to. Good stuff. Capital, capital, June of next year. Watch the skies. I'm sure we'll all be learning a lot more about it. It's Doug Anderson, everybody, right here, the CEO of DCA Live. Doug, we ask all of our guests at the end of the show a meta question. If you ruled the world, what would you start happening that isn't? Or what would you stop happening that is? Uh, so about six weeks ago, uh, I've got four kids, like I said, and we were trying to get everybody's um, health forms uh, filed for their schools so that the school would allow them in the front door the, the first day. And the schools send you these websites where you have to download all these forms and fill them out and get various signatures and everything like that. And it winds up being an enormously time-consuming process. And it still was very much a print out a form, get a signature, scan it and email it back. And then you do that times 10 forms times four kids. And I, it just occurred to me that in 2023, why the hell is anybody having to print anything anymore? Yeah. Why, why do why do we need a hard signature on anything anymore? And it's time that everybody in the planet gets with the fact that it's not good for the environment. It's an enormous time suck. It's an enormous hassle. All it does is keep the uh, the ink people in business. Um, you know the fifty dollar <laughs> cartridges at CVS. So it's a micro thing, Mark. But damn it, I'm pretty passionate about the fact that we shouldn't have to print anything anymore. Okay, the ink lobbyists are already sharpening their sharpening their knives to take care of you, Doug. But I love it. I completely agree. It's what's working in Washington. Our guest has been Doug Anderson, the CEO of DCA Live. I'm your I'm your host, Mark Walsh, along with Tracy Madigan. Hey, Doug, thanks for joining us here in the show. Thank you, Mark. I'll talk to you soon. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers.
been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.